My name is Pastor Peter Gedaka. I serve as a pastor at Higher Ground Praise Chapel. We meet in Kiku Township Primary School. You are welcome. You can visit with us for a service whenever you are free and are able to. However, I want to welcome you to this program. It's a Bible study. And our mode of Bible study is where we go and delve into one verse before we move to the next one. And trust God to be able to mind the knowledge, the revelation contained in one verse. Kindly look for a Bible, look for a pen, look for a book so that you can note some things. There are some scriptures we will just be quoting and not reading and therefore you can later check them out and see how they line up with the message. So thank you so much. Let's go straight to the word. We left it at Galatians chapter 4 verse 14. So verse 14 says, And my temptations which was in my flesh, you despised not, uh, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Again, this verse is a continuation of the previous verse, which was talking about Paul, the thorn in the flesh and all that. And I said I don't want really to get involved in that because there isn't much evidence to show that Paul had a disease. What I believe is that Paul in this Galatian town, um, cities, he was stoned and left for dead. And it's possible that those who stoned him, they were not stoning him at one area. They were not selectively doing it. And he must have gotten hurt even around his eyes, his head, and all that, and he may have been talking about this. And again, personally, I don't want to get involved in that. And that's why I will go direct to verse 15, which says, Where is then the blessedness you speak of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you'd have plucked your eyes. Now, again, this goes in into the same. But let's look so that we don't have to jump, jump all the verses. Let's look slightly into this. And we'll say legalism causes people to lose their joy. This is what happened to the Galatians. The New International Version translates this verse as, and I quote, What happened to you all your joy? End of quote. Paul was saying, there is the joy you used to have through our relationship. At one time, you'd have done anything for me. Even give me your own eyes if it were necessary. But now you have drawn back. It is you that have shaved, not me. Galatians 4.13 talks about the infirmity Paul was speaking of was not a clinical problem, but a temporary problem that was probably associated with him by stoning. And that's what I, I continue saying. When he was left for dead, likewise, any reference of his eyes in this verse would be related to the physical problem he referred from that stoning. However, it is possible that Paul did not literally mean by these statements that there was something wrong with his eyes. But as today, when someone says, I would give my light hand arm for them, they don't mean, literally mean they will give their light hand. 
quote that doesn't necessarily mean there is anything wrong with their with the other person's light arm this is just a way of expressing a commitment to another person even to the point of sacrificing a variable part of his or her own body for the love one's benefit now likewise paul may have just been saying that these galatians were at one time willing to do anything for him bonus if you will galatians chapter 4:16 says and i am therefore become your enemy because i tell you the truth it's a question paul here was saying does telling you the truth offend you and make you my enemy the truth isn't always welcome that is true but it only is love to tell other people the truth regardless of whether they welcome it or not if a bridge had been washed away in the dark in the night by the lane you'd have to do everything to flag down drivers who are driving towards that same bridge at first of course they they would not appreciate it when you you wave them down and distract them but later on after they realize where they were headed to they will thank you for what you've did you've done likewise those who don't know the lord may misinterpret our attempts to share the gospel with them but if we truly love others more than ourselves we will persist despite their objections bonus if you verse 17 says they zealously affect you but not well yeah they would exclude you that you might affect them i think i want to read that verse using a different translation we read from amplified and this is what it says these men eagerly seek you to entrap you with honeyed words and attention to win you over to their philosophy not honorable for their purpose is not honorable or worthy of consideration they want to isolate you from us who oppose them so that you will seek them that is amplified now i also lead the same verse using niv which translates this and i quote those people are zealous to win you over but for no good what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them and this seems to accurately present what the king james english is trying to convey paul had addressed the false teachers gospel and here he was addressing their motives he was stating that they were zealous but not in a good way or for a good purpose their intentions or intention was to alienate the galatians from the true gospel and from those who taught it so that instead of the galatians going to christ they would actually go to the, the judaizers teachers verse 19 says my little children of whom i travel in birth again until christ be formed in you through prayer paul had interceded for these galatians when he first brought the gospel to them here he was in doubt of their relationship to christ since they were moving back towards trusting in the law therefore he was praying for them again as he did in the beginning this does not mean that 
the Galatians had lost their salvation and that Paul was praying for them to be born again again, that can't happen. He was simply stating that he wanted to see the Galatians turn back to Christ and grow in Christ. Verse 20 says, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. I stand in doubt of you. Paul did not regret the things that he had said to the Galatians. Rather, he regretted the tone which he had to say them. If he had been present with them, he would have approached them in a different and gentler way and possibly explained himself more completely. Paul longed to be with them so that he could answer the questions he had about them. The phrase, I stand in doubt of you, means to be at a loss, to be disturbed, or to feel helpless about the situation. Paul was like a parent, feeling very concerned about his children going astray. Verse 22 says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a board maid and the other by a free woman. What is Paul saying here? Paul's statement, it is written, refers to a summary of Genesis chapter 16, 17. This is the story of Abraham's two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was born of a slave woman, while Isaac's mother, Sarah, was free woman. Paul used an allegory, Galatians 4, 24, a type of interpretation common among the rabbis. An allegory interprets scripture events or persons as foreshadowing a deep spiritual truth. In this passage, two women represent two covenants, and the two children represent a work of the flesh and a work of the spirit. The two women are Sarah, Abraham's wife, and Hagar, an Egyptian slave who was Sarah's handmaid. Sarah was billing, so she suggested that Abraham have sexual relationship with Hagar. Sarah would then lease the child as hers. Now, this was common practice those days. Abraham did as Sarah wished, and Hagar had a child named Ishmael. And this is a story that we all know, but we just do a summary of the same. God made clear that this was not the child he had promised to Abraham, through whom he would fulfill his promise. So approximately 14 years after the birth of Ishmael, Abraham and Sarah had a child supernaturally who was named Isaac. Genesis 21 verse 1 to 3. Now Ishmael, the son of Hagar, persecuted Isaac, the son of Sarah, to the degree that Sarah begged Abraham to set this boy and the mother away. Of course, Abraham did not want to do this. But God spoke to him and told him to do what Sarah said. Now, Paul interpreted the significance of these actions. Ishmael was a product of self-effort, just as any trust in the law for the purpose of justification would be. In contrast, Isaac was supernatural. Both Abraham and Sarah were well beyond the age of having children. So Isaac was a miracle. Likewise, salvation by grace is a miracle, not self-effort. In the same way that Hagar and her son, who was a product of the flesh, 
were cast out. So those who seek to be justified by the law are rejected by God. But those who believe the gospel and receive salvation as a gift are like Isaac who came supernaturally through the promise of God. Thus, Paul showed that truth of the gospel were present in the Old Testament law. Romans chapter 1 verse 2. But the legalistic Jew had been brightened to this simple truth. They had misinterpreted the purpose of the Old Testament law and were therefore longly teaching that conformity to the law was necessary for salvation. Peter spoke of people who were willingly or willfully ignorant of the truth. That is 2 Peter 3 5. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 that legalism is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Let's look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now that, that sounds interesting. You look at it from face value. It may not make sense when it says Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. But anyway, what we see here is the earthly city of Jerusalem was collapsed. Its inhabitants rejected Jesus by crucifying him. And as a whole, they had also rejected the gospel. But the heavenly city of God, of which the earthly Jerusalem was supposed to be Zebori, was pure and free. Those who received salvation by faith in what Christ did for them instead of what they do for him through the law are all citizens of this heavenly Jerusalem. Now it's clear. Let's look at verse 27 that says, For it is written, Rejoice thou Balen that bearest not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate has many more children than she which has a husband. This verse is, quote, is a quotation of Isaiah 54 verse 1. The barren in this verse refers to Salah. She was told of the Lord to break forth into singing and rejoicing before she became pregnant. The barren Salah rejoiced at the promise of God through faith. Hebrew 11, 11. And through the promised seed, that is Christ, she had infinitely more children than her slave Hagar. All believers are Abraham's seed. Let's look at that 29. Verse 29 says, But as when, as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. In the same way that Ishmael persecuted Isaac, the shout of promise, so it is now those who rely on the flesh, that is the law, they persecute those born of the spirit, those who have been saved by grace. There have been always and will always be only two kinds of religion, those of faith, that is by grace, and those by works, that is by the law. And those of the law will always continue to persecute those of grace. Cain and Abel. There will always be a Cain and Abel. 
bonus if you it's it's interesting to note that so we go to the next verse in fact the next chapter chapter 5 verse 1 we will read together it says stand fast therefore in the liberty where with Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage third fast is an expression of the Greek word which is steko and and this word stand fast it, it means to preserve to hold one's ground Paul's admonition to stand fast also reveals that our freedom in Christ does not function automatically we have a part to play our adversary the devil is always seeking whom he may devour rigorism is one of his greatest weapons and we must resist every attempt he makes to draw us back into self effort bonus if you will. let's go to verse 2 verse 2 says behold i paul say unto you that if you be circumcised christ shall profit you nothing wow christ shall profit you nothing paul was circumcised so he's not again a circumcision he was circumcised himself so what was he saying paul was referring to trusting in some external action to produce justification before god instead of just faith in christ jesus just faith in christ jesus the first teachers in galatia had taught that circumcision and the keeping of the old testament were necessary for salvation it doesn't matter if it is circumcision water baptism holiness or any other religious act trusting in anything except Christ voids the saving effects of Christ in our lives a simple way to detect what our faith is is to imagine ourselves standing before God giving a reason that we should be allowed into heaven if we pointed out any church attendance giving you know holiness or anything else then that is what our faith is in those of us who would do that we are not any different from muslim and buddhists and all other religions who have something to present before god to be allowed in the proper response would be to say the only thing that makes me worthy to enter heaven is what jesus did for me my total faith and trust is in jesus it's not jesus plus anything no it's jesus alone faith alone saves the phrase christ shall profit you nothing that paul used there is another way of saying that if people turn to self effort for salvation then they cannot benefit in any way from what christ has done for them the only way to appropriate what jesus did for man is by faith it is possible to put total faith in jesus concerning our eternal salvation and yet turn back to the deception that god will only bless us in this life proportionally to how we perform that's not true that is not true and it will keep us from experiencing the abundant life jesus christ promised or jesus christ purchased for us yes we are supposed to walk light live light bless the lord worship the lord 
serve him by knowing that we are his hands, his legs, and all that we are the body of Jesus Christ. But we are not doing this for him to get attention of us. We are doing this because we understand the sacrifice he paid for us. And in appreciation, we are serving him. We are living light. We are leeching out. I don't want to get much into that because of our time. It's fast spent. And therefore, I want us to have that understanding. Maybe you are there and you are not born again. I would like to lead you to the Lord. I would like you to know this Lord. And he becomes your Lord as he is my Lord. And the only way to do that is by receiving him in your heart. And therefore, if this is your conviction and desire, I want you to pray after me. Just say, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. Today, I realize I'm a sinner. And Jesus died for my sins. I therefore open my heart to receive the lazy Christ in my heart. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Light my name in the book of life. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I'm now born again in Christ. I'm so grateful for you having made that decision. Thank you so very much. God bless you so much. You can call me in this number and we can encourage one another. That is 0751030930. You can also approach someone. He could be a, a pastor, an elder, your brother, your neighbor who you know they are saved and they, they, they love the Lord, they walk with the Lord, they are mature in the Lord. And let them know what you've done. You've made a decision to receive Christ in your heart through a radio broadcast and they will encourage you. Thank you so very much. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. God willing. Amen.